This episode is sponsored by our friends at Article. I am a longtime fan of Article because they make furniture shopping easy, quick, and enjoyable. And just in time for summer, you can now shop their brand new line of outdoor products. If you've got any sort of outdoor space, be it a patio or a deck or a backyard or a porch, you need to shop this collection. They've got oversized statement loungers, streamlined dining pieces, and easy to style sofas. These are just a few of the great pieces you'll find on Article that will add a bit of cozy to any outdoor living area. Once you find your pieces, Article ships directly to you for free on orders over $999. And if your item is already in stock, it will be delivered in two weeks or less. So even though, yes, summer is fast approaching, you've still got time to get your dream space pulled together. And Article is offering our listeners $50 off their first purchase of $100 or more. So to claim, just visit article.com slash chatty and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash chatty to get $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Well, broads. Well, 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 broads. How do you do? Howdy doody. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are recording this the week before Mother's Day. And yes, we because are. we just love the theme of moms. We thought because we, we love to talk about ourselves. Because we love <laughs> to talk about ourselves and we love moms and talking to moms and we love our moms. Um, we thought that we would bring on one of my favorite uh, mom fluencers slash my mom internet friend. Yes. Which is Bethany Garcia, a.k.a. at the Garcia Diaries, which yes. is how I refer to you as the Garcia Diaries. <laughs> Thanks Thank so much for so joining. Much. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited. <laughs> What's up, broads? <laughs> What's up, broad squad? And she actually hosts. Wait, what are you calling your podcast now? Is it just the guy? Because you didn't you switch the, it around? Well, yeah, it's the Garcia Diaries Unfiltered. Yes. Ooh, love that. Podcast. Love and, that. And it's pretty great. I've listened to it and they really do get raw and real as the influencers say. Um, but, but like, kind of actually raw and real. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, you're like not the not the quote unquote unfiltered filtered. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. actual raw and real unfiltered, the aesthetically raw and real. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay, bras. Before we get into this conversation with Bethany, this episode is sponsored by Truebill. Raise your hand if you've signed up for a free trial or something and then forgotten about it or couldn't figure out how to cancel it, and now you're just getting charged each month for something you didn't even need or use. Yeah, I'll put two hands up for that. This happens to me all the time. Truly, that's one of the most annoying things. Truebill is making it easy to stop paying for those pesky unused subscriptions. Truebill's a new app that helps you identify and stop paying any subscription you no longer want. And on average, people are saving up to 720 bucks a year thanks to Truebill. Just link your accounts and in one tap, your Truebill concierge is able to cancel unwanted subscriptions because God knows companies don't make it easy. With just one click, you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash chatty. Go right now to Truebill.com slash chatty. It could save you thousands of dollars a year. Truebill.com slash chatty. Okay, so... I thought it would be fun to have you on because there are oh so many things we could talk about, but I thought it would be fun because you 
I think it would be great to just start with your kind of parenting journey, because that's a big part of your story. Um, fellow unplanned pregnant person over here and over here. Yay, um, hi. <laughs> so I guess like and we can get more into it, but I think just like sharing a little bit about like your background and upbringing and just um, yeah, kind of going from there. I think we have similar upbringings just based on what we've chatted about in the past. But yeah, yeah. my parents are were very conservative Christian. They're pastors, PK all day over here. Wow. And until I mean, until I was 18 and um, my dad went to prison. So just just for the first 18 <laughs> years was a pastor's kid. Um, and so we have, um, you know, a very like deep, under, I don't know. In the Christian church, it's like a deep understanding of like what a mom's supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, you know, your place and you know what you're supposed to do and you're supposed to, you're there to serve your husband and serve your kids. And um, when I became a mom at 18 years old um, and my husband at the time, boyfriend was 17 years old, um, we were basically like ostracized from our church. And it was like, okay, you can't be here anymore. Or if you do, you have to like repent and admit that this was a mistake. And we were kind of just like, all right, well, peace. Like we'd rather just leave. Okay. So backtracking a little bit, where did you grow up again? Um, all freaking over. Like people ask me what's my hometown and I'm like, I don't know how to answer that. So Uh. I was born, born in Eureka, California. Then when I was six, we moved to the Bay Area. Then when I was 11, we moved to Tucson. Then when I was 14, we moved to Phoenix. Oh, okay, okay. So and all the, yeah. Y- yeah, all over the place. Okay, and we are actually, Jess and I are going to have a conversation in the coming week, kind of like an update on sort of where we stand coming full circle with some things in terms of our religious upbringing. But like, I'm just curious about like, w- Look, you got to the point where you were having premarital sex, right? With you, with your boyfriend. Um, kind of like, what was your relationship to, I guess, like your own faith? And kind of what did that look like up until that point where you guys were kind of like, peace, we're going to go do our own thing? I think I, I was like always boy crazy since I was like super young. <laughs> and I always like wanted to have boyfriends and was like kissing every boy in the school. And like, to me, it was like more of an attention thing. Like I just yeah. wanted positive attention mm-hmm. because I had such bad self-esteem because of my parents. And it felt good to like have people be interested in me. And like, I don't know, it felt good. And I struggled so much with guilt though. Like when I started having sex with my future husband, um, we, I would like literally cry after, like mm-hmm. I would feel so bad or I'd be like, this is the last time. And yeah. he'll, he'd be like, what about one more time? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I think God will forgive you. Um, and so, and like actually getting pregnant kind of boiled down to me, like just a huge lack of educate, um, mm-hmm. lack of education yeah. is when it comes to sex. Like I remember we had abstinence class in high school And there was like sex ed, but I wasn't allowed to attend that. But I was allowed to attend abstinence class. Mm -hmm. And um, you're just ringing true over here. Sorry. I'm just like, I remember the abstinence (laughs) class and then being being told the whole group of us like, you can't go to the sex ed one. So it's like, okay. I had no idea. I didn't. I honestly like people don't believe this, but I didn't know what condoms were. Like I knew the word, but I didn't understand why or how people use them or why Mm -hmm. it was important to use them. I didn't even know what STDs were when I got pregnant. Like I literally, like 
I just thought it was something people talked about. I don't, I don't even know. Like, also, I think I don't remember a lot of stuff just because of trauma. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like, if I ever learned that, I don't remember it. Yeah. Um, and so we, I don't know when I got pregnant, I was like, okay, well, like I'm screwed now. And what was the start of me, I think deconstructing my entire belief system was my parents trying to force me to have an abortion. And I was like, I don't want to, like, this is like, I, I'm, I want to be with my husband. Like we wanted to get married and I was so young and dumb, but I knew what I wanted. Yeah. And that, I don't regret that at all. Like I remember sitting, we were like PF Chang's or something. And my dad was sitting there and he was like, I got you an abortion pill and I want you to take it right now. Holy shit. I'm thinking like, how the freak did he get that? Like I had no idea and I like refused to take it. Didn't want to have an abortion at all. And then he even brought me into the church so that the other pastors could tell me why I should have an abortion. Okay. And so I was shook, shook because my entire (laughs) life I've been told that's the biggest sin, murdering a baby. That's okay, that's what I was yeah, wondering. I was like, what was your upbringing around yeah. abortion? Because I was like, that's a gift from, definitely from like, you know, the, the church that I came to, that was like, that was the the big no-no is like, you can't have an abortion. It's literally like the worst thing you can do in their eyes. But what was worse than that was my dad's reputation being spoiled. Ooh. Apparently. How, what, Okay, I know that you probably already had a very different perspective on leaders in the church just based on like your experience with your dad because just based on like podcast stuff and Instagram stuff, it just seems like, you know, it, you didn't have maybe the the best, we'll say it that way, like the best parental figures. So I'm sure, did you already kind of have like a skewed kind of sense of like what it, like a pastor was or like, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like first, like I, I feel like, when I looked at figures in the church, I didn't have a perspective on maybe the darker side of some things. But I feel like since you experienced that like firsthand in your home, were you already a little bit jaded about like leaders 1, in the church? One thousand percent. I mean, yeah. I would have like I would have uh, moments where I would walk in on my parents and he'd be like beating the shit out of her. And then the next day he's leading worship at church. So like yeah. it was never it was always something that was there in my mind. And then I went to different churches and I would hear, I would make friends with the different pastors, kids, and they would tell me about their parents. And I'm like, so is it every freaking pastor Mm. out there is like living a double life. And then I married my husband. I went to his church and his church was just like beyond culty, like more like I, I, this is, I'll probably offend people and it's kind of mean, but (laughs) I always say that it's like more culty than even like Mormonism like it's more rules than you could ever imagine like they weren't allowed to have a TV growing up Whoa. Um, they if you wore skinny jeans you had the spirit of homosexuality in you and meanwhile I'm like that's my favorite spirit like don't we all want, don't we all want that spirit but it was like it's like the worst thing his pastor would be on stage saying the f word not the fuck word the other yeah. f word oh, and so I'm like it's just, I've never had a great experience. And I have people that'll be in my DMs being like, well, you just didn't find the right church. You just didn't find the right sure. pastor, this or that. And I'm like, how many 
different times do I have to experience something <laughs> before I come to terms with maybe it's not what you think it is? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh. Okay. So what was your experience then when you had all of them? Like you said, you had been taught that this is the worst thing when they were all sitting in front of you being like, this is why you should have an abortion. Like you said, you were shook. Was that kind of a moment where you were like, holy fuck, this is even more convoluted than I thought. Well, and yeah, just fake too, where you're like, I am told that I don't have, you know, authority over my own body, that I can't make this choice. And that's the, the worst thing if I were to do this. And now all of a sudden, your reputation's on the line and you're and you're handing me a pill and telling me I don't have a choice. Right. And it was like, it was like, if you don't take this, then you're not my daughter anymore. Or you're mm. not. So it was like basically a forced abortion. It's like the other end of the spectrum's forced birth. Now we have yep. forced abortion. Like it's such a mind fuck. And the craziest thing about all of this is that meanwhile, while all this is happening and my dad's like, you're going to ruin my reputation. I'm going to be like a laughing stock. He was grooming and having a sexual relationship with a 14 year old in the church and ended up getting arrested and is now serving a 20 year prison sentence. So it's like, who's embarrassing who here? And through that situation too, I learned even more about the church because my mother who had gone through all of that and was going through all of that was, had her back turned on her by all of her friends all of her colleagues in the church, everyone in the church was like, you don't exist anymore. And me and my siblings had zero resources, zero village that yeah. was supposed to like be the people that you lean on during the hardest times of your life. We didn't have any of that. And even teachers that I had had in high school, because our it was like, a, we went to like a charter school where the school's connected to the church kind of a thing. And it's not a Christian school, but right. it basically is. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And all, none of the teachers that I had years long relationships with that were like my mentors reached out. None of my softball, basketball coaches. Oh my God. Like no one was, it was just like silence. What about Anthony's family? What about them? Like how? In this instance? Yes. Okay, Broad's interrupting quickly with a word from our sponsors who keep the show going. When it comes time to cooking, there are three priorities for me. Is it healthy? Is it easy? And most importantly, does it taste good? Usually at best, a meal is two of the three. Delicious food is not always healthy. Healthy food is not always easy to make. You get the idea. But when you cook with Green Chef, all of their meals are easily prepared, good for you, and delicious. The trifecta necessary for a perfect meal, if I do say so myself. Green Chef is the organic meal kit company that makes eating well simple to do for every lifestyle, whether you eat paleo, keto, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or maybe you're just looking to incorporate some more balanced meals. Green Chef has a ton of weekly options guaranteed to fit what you're looking for. So say goodbye to grocery lists, recipe hunting, and meal prep. Green Chef's pre-portioned ingredients and easy-to-follow recipes are delivered right to your door. Just assemble and enjoy. There are 24 recipes to choose from each week. My most recent favorite, it has to be the sesame ginger beef bowls amazing. It's the perfect weeknight dinner because it's ready in just 20 minutes. And even though it tastes like it took hours to prepare. So when you cook with Green Chef, you're also helping the planet at the same time. Talk about a win-win. Green Chef helps reduce food waste by 25% when compared to grocery shopping. And they even offset 100% of their carbon footprint. 
What are you waiting for? Go to greenchef.com slash chatty130 and use code chatty130 to get $130 off plus free shipping. That's code chatty130 at greenchef.com slash chatty130 to get the $130 off plus free shipping. So do you all remember when shopping for a bra meant having your mom or your best friend drive you to the shopping mall or the closest big city digging through department store racks to find the few options in your size and then awkwardly trying them on in a super dimly lit dressing room? Because same. And oh baby, I'm glad those days are behind us. But bra shopping hasn't just gotten a few small improvements. Thanks to Third Love, shopping for bras is a totally different experience now. It's actually, dare we say, enjoyable. So from the try-on process to the fit and quality of their bras and their underwear and their loungewear, Third Love is really changing the game and all it takes is a few minutes and you're going to be on your way to finding the perfect fit bra, perfect fitting bra. So start off with their fitting room quiz. They'll ask you a bunch of questions to help you not only determine your best size, which by the way, um, 80% of women are wearing the wrong size. So it'll also determine which styles you might like best and then you can start shopping. When you get something from Third Love, the quality is very obvious in every single detail. No uncomfortable underwires or bands that dig into your skin. Third Love perfectly marries comfort with style and sexiness. Literally almost every single day I find myself reaching for my Third Love bras. I, I don't wear anything else except Third Love. That's just a fact. Uh, and if you get something you don't love, Third Love even offers exchanges and returns for free for 60 days. Feeling is believing. Give your boobs that 24-7 comfort and support they deserve. Upgrade your bra and get 20% off your first order today at thirdlove.com slash chatty. That's 20% off at thirdlove.com slash chatty. At this point, my family like had accepted it because I told them the day I found out I was pregnant. Like I had wow. so much guilt and like I needed to tell someone. Um, he was like, I, we can just have the baby. Like they don't need to know. <laughs> like he was fine. Not. And I was like, no, wait, we have to tell them. So he was already moved out. Actually, he got kicked out when he was 16 years old because he wanted to have a girlfriend. I'm you guys, I'm not joking you how we met and how we started going to the same school was because his parents pulled him from his public high school because they found out from someone else at the church that he had a MySpace account. Yeah. So he, he got sent to my school as punishment. And like that that's how extreme like they were with rules and stuff. Yeah. So he got kicked out when he was 16 because he wanted to have a girlfriend and they were like you can either choose her or us kind of a thing. And so he moved into a halfway house that cost like $200 a month for rent. Um like legit he, a halfway house, like, like literally legit. a halfway house. Like he was like rarely ever there. Like usually he would just like sneak into my room and sleep there because it was like so unsafe and scary. And so um and I was already pregnant by that point, but when we basically were like, okay, it's time to tell your parents. My parents were prepared to like literally hide me in Tucson at my grandparents' house. And so your parents, parents, your parents were even like, damn, these folks are extreme. So yes. we got to. Oh my gosh. My dad, my dad didn't want me to date him because of their religion, which was it's Christian, just a different like form of it. It's sure. Called the Potter's called the Potter's house. So I've heard um, of, that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> of course it's called the Potter's house. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they were prepared to like hide me in Tucson so that way I didn't get arrested because I was 18 and he was now 17. Um, but he sat down in, in church 
because his parents, you here, here was the stipulation. You can move out, but you still have to come to church. Uh-huh. Like we'll support you still have to come to church. So he came Sorry. to church and one Wednesday night and he like sat in one of the rows and he told his mom, like, I'm having a baby. Like Bethany's <laughs> pregnant. And she was like, well, you better fucking support him. Like you better <laughs> get your ass up and start working. You better support it. You're not huh. going to be some deadbeat baby daddy. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, like I know, I know. Like, so she had a complete different reaction than my parents. Interesting. With, like the abortion was never even on the table. She wanted us to get, everyone wanted us to get married immediately. Yeah, yeah of course. But yeah, but that was, that's kind of how everyone was found it- out. And I, I remember actually listening to an episode where you talked about this, but I can't remember. Was his dad out of the picture at this time? His biological dad was never in the picture. Right. Okay. So his mom got pregnant when she was 15 and his dad was 26. Wow. Yeah. And he's like in gangs. He, his biological dad is like 14 kids that he's like, a lot of them he doesn't even have relationships with. A lot of them are in prison. Whoa. One's in prison for shooting someone's penis off literally like, oh my god you guys this could literally be like a reality show like it's <laughs> this is hbo it's insane um and his mom raised him and then his stepdad <laughs> didn't like adopt him technically but he's been in his life since he was six years old and has been his dad since then so like his dad is like his stepdad pretty much okay so i guess then what was what did his stepdad what was his reaction um, you know what? I don't really know because it's more like his mom runs the show, but his dad has always been so supportive. Mm. Like even when Anthony wanted to have a girlfriend when we were like younger, it was his mom that was like very, very against it. Okay. So his dad has always been very supportive and like the neutral middleman and trying to make peace with everyone all the time. And he's always been there for us. So then his mom sort of like flipped where she was like, not allowed to have a girlfriend, but then now she's pregnant. So you got to fuck her. it. Do what yeah. you got to do. Yes, exactly. Okay. So what <laughs> happened from then? From then he was living in a halfway house. You're living in your house with the whole situation that's going on with your family. And from what you've said, your dad was abusive. It seems like it was, could I, it was like, I? okay. But back then I wouldn't have been like, yeah, my dad's abusive. Like sure. it took me years and yeah. years of, unlearning things that had been so normalized to me and not only like culture wise, but religion wise, like things as small as like my dad would like beat the crap out of us when we would do something wrong. And I, he called it spanking. Looking back, I'm thinking, no, that's not Mm. right. Like I would never put my hands on my children Um, or like slapping me if I say something disrespectful, like stuff like that. And now Mm -hmm. I'm, when I looked back on it and started thinking about every single time I had had my hands put on me by an adult that was twice my size. I'm like, okay, that's actually abuse. Mm -hmm. And then you start realizing that there was verbal abuse and emotional abuse and all the abuse besides sexual, except for I did start going to therapy a few months ago and I was bringing some things up and she was telling me that that's actually covert sexual abuse. And now I'm just like, oh, well, I'm just fucked then. Aren't I? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Great. Working through all of this. Yeah. Um, do you know, like, I'm just curious, were your parents raised in a religious upbringing or kind of like what kind of where were each of them coming from? Both raised by pastors. Oh, wow. Yeah. Shit runs deep. But my mom, she's she's like an enigma to me because my grandparents are the two people. My grandfather actually just died last month. They're the two people in the world that I'm closest 
with and family wise. And I had so many conversations with them about my mom because my grandpa actually left the church because he had his wife left him Mm. and he was left with like a six month old baby. And the church was like, Oh, you can't not have a wife. And so he ended up leaving the church and becoming a teacher. And then he became a principal. So he became an educator after that. But um, so my mom was actually never really raised with that, but they did have that religion aspect still um, that how they raised her and they raised her in church. But I guess she wasn't technically raised as a PK. Um, But I've had so many conversations with my grandparents. Like, why is she like this? Mm. Why is she like that? And Mm. they always say like, she changed so much when she married my dad. Mm. So she got sucked in. I was going to say, and my therapist says that she's not a narcissist, but she loves them and is attracted to them. So that's Mm. why she gets sucked in by them. Mm. Shout out to my therapist. Oh man. Okay. So you're in that whole situation at home. Where did you guys go from there then? Cause like, you know, you're not even living together. Yeah. And then Anthony's here thinking like I was raised and he was raised in literal poverty. Like there's no way to put it differently. And he's thinking like, I just got this girl pregnant and she has a six bedroom house (laughs) and she has a pool. Like I got the bag and then my dad gets fired for freaking (laughs) like whatever he's doing. And so now I'm like, now we're both poor. Um, we ended up getting- Wait, so that happened. Everything blew up. Everyone found out about your dad's sexual abuse stuff during while you're pregnant. So I found out about it while I was pregnant. I walked in on a situation. Yeah. So then I started and I was, you guys, I was literally so gaslit and to the point where I was thinking, did I actually walk in on that? Or am I like literally crazy? What did you, who did you go to, to, to first to talk about that? First Anthony. And then Anthony's like, go to the police. And I'm like, I can't like, that's my dad. And I was 18 at the time, which is, I know it's like an adult, but I think also when you're raised that way, you are not your own person, even when you're an adult. Like I wasn't even, I was living with my parents when I was 18 because I moved back home when I got pregnant. And because, yeah, I was living in, I was at college. I had a softball scholarship. I was at college and I moved back home when I found out I was pregnant. I skipped over that part. So I'm literally there at 18 and I'm not allowed to go out unless I ask for permission. I'm not allowed to go out even to lunch with my friends. Not I have uh-huh. a curfew. Like I wasn't my own person. Yeah. Um, so I then went to my mom and we started doing some digging into like Facebook messages and text messages. So and she, we, she was receptive. She was like, okay. Oh, she, they were having marital problems for a year. Like okay. she thought he was cheating with like his assistant. Okay. And he, and she, even more than I was gaslit, she was like beyond, beyond. And so she, we found all, all these like messages and stuff. And so we still didn't feel like we could go to the police. We went to the head pastor at the church. Oh God. We had a meeting with him. It was me, Anthony and my mom. And he sat there, we gave him all the evidence and he said, be very careful what you say next. And we were like, okay, we're coming to you. Cause like, we don't know what to do. And he brings my dad in and we were like trying to not have that be the situation. We were scared. We were terrified of him. Of course. And yeah. And so 
it was horrible. And basically we got called liars and we made everything up and we don't know what we're talking about. And then what ended up happening was he broke up with the girl, which breaking up's not even the right right, lingo. You know what I mean? But he like broke it off and she was hurt. So she went to the police. (gasps) Thank God. Oh my God. And like, it makes me feel so guilty to think about like why I couldn't do that. And she had the strength to, and I didn't. Um, But it does boil down to like, just being living in an abusive household for years and years and years sure. and not even feeling like you have your own voice. Yeah. So, oh my God. Okay. So she went to the police. You're still pregnant at that point. No, when- no, no. I was, I was postpartum by then. It like, it was like a, it was, it was a long while. Like it wasn't until it was you guys. So he didn't in, immediately we, stop things until so, years after. No, no, no. So it's, it was, this is all 2013. Okay. Okay. So like uh, we moved, Anthony and I moved in together March, okay. 2013. And Wait, when we, did you get pregnant? Uh, I found out on New Year's Eve. Okay. So like it okay. was three months of us trying to figure it out. And I'm also so in like, I'm wrapped up in my own world and what's happening to me that I wasn't really noticing like other things. Sure. Like I knew my mom was unhappy. I knew things were going on, but I didn't know what was going on after I moved in. I think that's one of the, when one of the instances where I was like spending the night there or something, cause Anthony was working a night shift and I hated being by myself. And that's one of the times I walked in on something and then we got married in June and on the way to my wedding, it was me, my mom, and my sister. And you're six months, and you're like seven, I'm six, six months pregnant. Okay. Yeah, at my wedding, and I were driving to Tucson where I got married, and the whole time I'm reading the Facebook messages out loud in the car, like the day before my oh wedding. Oh my god! And then my dad married us. Like oh he was god. the officiant. It wasn't even like it wasn't a question. It was like, no, I am. And at this point, I'm not even like speaking to him. We're we, we're not having a good relationship. Um. And it was September. My daughter was born. And like basically a few weeks later, the literal police raided their house, like their whole house and took all the phones and laptops and all of that stuff. So it was like over the span of a few months. And um, I went to several different people throughout those, like throughout the summer, trying to get like someone to listen to me. I think I was trying to get someone to like call the police for me because I yeah. couldn't physically do it myself. Yeah, And it was so hard too because like I knew how wrong it was and how evil it was what he was doing, but I still loved him. Sure. And that was like the hardest part too. How, where are you in the lineup of your siblings, right? Uh, by the way? I'm the how, oldest. Oldest out of how oldest. many? Four. So I feel like you're navigating so many oh things God. at once oh at God. this time. Okay, obviously you're dealing with just all the emotional shit with your relationship with both of your parents. Okay, you're also a literal teenager having, giving birth and going through postpartum, having a newborn. And I'm sure you are also having dealing- Having a whole ass husband too. Yes, a, like, yes, a husband, yes. What? what? And like insane. living with him for the first time. I mean, navigating all that stuff is so difficult on its own without something so fucking dramatic and life altering and all that stuff happening. I'm sure you were also having to navigate all of this with your younger siblings as well, who I'm guessing were all still at home. Yeah. So my youngest brother was like 12 at the time. So that's like another thing I feel so guilty about is I feel like I had a normal childhood, like all the way till I was like 18. That's when kind of shit kind of blew up. 
of course, looking back, I'm like, okay, maybe that wasn't so normal or maybe mm. it is normal, but it shouldn't mm. be. Right. Um, but I feel bad because like, yeah, my dad was at my wedding. My dad was at my graduation. Mm-hmm. My, we had like all the family pictures. Everyone's there. Then my sister graduates two years later and he's literally not there. My brother gets married. My brother graduates. Like all these different things are happening and he's not there. Yeah. And it also took such a toll on my mom that she just stopped being one. Mm. And my brother, like I said, was 12 at the time. And he now lives with uh, my mom's best friend. Um, Her family like took him in pretty much when he turned 18 because like she just couldn't like do it anymore. And I don't know. It's crazy. Like I feel so bad and I, I was so wrapped up in my own world and what was happening and and shoving all this trauma and things I walked in on, things I saw, the way I was treated, shoving it all down so that I can be there for my baby at this yeah. point. Like, that's what I'm worried about now. And so my siblings, I think them three got really, really, really close and were all there for each other. And I just wasn't there. Like, I couldn't physically be. The other thing is for me to like even begin to heal, I couldn't have any sort of relationship with my dad. Right. I haven't talked to him in forever, like since all of that. And with my mom, it was so hard because she was still forcing them to have a relationship with him and be on video visits with him in jail and go to every single court case. And all of those, I just couldn't do it. And when I would talk to them, that's what they wanted to talk about. And I physically and mentally could not talk about my dad or even think about it. And so it really hurt all of our relationships. Mm. And I wish we had been in a position where we could like afford therapy or done something back then because it's had years long consequences. And it's something that like hurts still to this day. But I, and like at this point in my life, I don't have a relationship with my mom or my dad because um, things just got worse and I had to like set boundaries and when boundaries weren't respected it's like how many times can someone like violate me before I finally put my foot down and my siblings I like talk to them all and I love them all so much but I definitely think they're all very close and I'm kind of like you know on the outside a little yeah do you feel like there's been more repair though over the years with your relationship with your siblings or is that something that's also kind of a work in progress um I think I, I, what, what's really hard is how young my brothers were going through all of that. And I think a lot of it, I got blamed for because Mm. I, I shouldn't have ever said anything. I shouldn't have told the pastors. I should have, if I would have just kept my mouth shut, dad would still be here and that kind of stuff. But then as they got older, they kind of started understanding more like the consequences and like what really, really happened too, because they have my dad in their ears saying, I'm innocent. None of that stuff happened. None of it happened. Ugh. And then they have their sister saying like, no, I saw it happen. So it's like, oh who do God. you believe? Yeah. And so um, my sister's amazing. She's so amazing. She's so good with my kids and she's the best aunt. But I definitely think that we could have a better relationship um, if if things had been different in our lives, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's like it's not how I saw it, it all going down the road. I'm sure you get this question a lot, but like, do you desire to 
and I know it's not a simple question to answer either, but like, do as of right now, do you desire to have a relationship with either of your parents in the future? Um, I think about this all the time, honestly. And I think the fact that I even think about it means that maybe something in me wants to, but the thing with my dad was, I always said like, I will not speak to him until he admits what he did. And Mm. it, there was years went by where he was saying I'm innocent. Mm. And so I'm like, if you can't even be honest with me, then like, why do I want to talk to you? So I guess now my siblings have been telling me that he's changing his tune and he wants to have a relationship and he'll be honest and he'll tell me everything. Now I'm at the point where I don't want to even hear that now. Like I'm good. I would rather just not think about it and, um, deal with the stuff like in in therapy, just myself. Yeah. And with my mom, it's like, it's like the most stressful relationship where like, I can't, how I don't even know how to put this in words. Like, you know, when you go and you hang out with someone and you want to have like a glass cup full experience, like you want to leave feeling like your cup was filled, Mm -hmm. like you are energized and like, that was amazing. Like I want to hang out with them again with my mom. She just drains the life out of me. And like, I can't, I can't do it. Like I can't keep going back to someone that's going to let me down over and over again. Let my kids down. Yeah. Um, That's only focused on like what guy she's going to, you know, (laughs) heal with. And so it's just a little too much. And I think my thing with her is like, if she ever changed and like wanted to be different then like, sure. Yeah. But I don't also ever see that happening. Yeah. Yeah. So where you're kind of at right now is like, if we're in an alternate reality, then yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's, that's the thing with her is like, it would literally have to be maybe if we lived on a different planet or if we were completely different people, but I don't see that happening. Well, I mean, look, who doesn't want to have a good relationship with their parents, right? It's like everyone wants to have a good relationship with their mom and dad. Like no one wakes up one day and is like, "Mm, I want to have a shitty relationship and I want (laughs) us to not talk to each other. Like it's only natural to desire that. But I think it makes a lot of sense with what you're saying of like, there's a kind of an impasse if that person can't show up in the way that they need to show up. Yeah, in that relationship. I had hmm. this brand that I work with all the time. They reached on. They're like, "We're doing a Mother's Day campaign, and like, we want you to gift this product to your mom and film it." And I'm like, mm, "I don't have a mom, so <laughs> gonna have to pass." And they're like, "Oh, uh, you can take a different angle, uh, I guess." <laughs> like, sorry, gift it to a mom friend. Yeah, I gifted it to myself. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Great. There you go. There you go. Is there anything that like you do in your parenting that actually because we were just talking about this last week with Mother's Day. I'm curious if there's anything in your parenting that you did take away from either of your parents. They everything that they did shaped who I am as a mom because I'm doing the exact opposite. Mm. But um, you know what? My dad was my best friend when I was little, mm. minus all the abuse and the the hitting and slapping and the spanking and ev- like everything there would be times where like, I just like he, I trusted him. I told him everything. Like I told him when I had my first kiss and when I like, even when I started having sex with Anthony, like it was a no, no, but like, I kind of was like, yeah, like I might be interested in doing that. And they're like, well, it's wrong. And it's a sin. And like, they, they were mad about it, but I was like, 
still comfortable enough to tell no, that's them crazy which I think says something yeah maybe that i just have no filter and should have learned to shut my mouth a long time ago <laughs> but yeah i know like i he really i really did feel like he's my best friend and so with my kids i always want to you know be there for them but he was also his thing was always like um i'd be like are you gonna come to my recital are you gonna come to this talent show and he'd be like i wouldn't miss it for the world mm. and so with my kids, that's the same, you know, the thing, mm. the thing that I probably do want to carry over into like my relationships with them is that like, I'm, I always want to be there for them, but also you're a fucking liar. Cause uh, you <laughs> pieced out on us. So. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think that does say something though, what you said about feeling, cause I'll tell you what, I am a pretty, I have a hard, I have a loose, loose lips as they say, <laughs> but I was secretive as fuck with my parents. I was and I, and I always ask people about that because I think it's so interesting. Like, I did not grow up trusting my parents at all to, like, open up to them about, like, what I was feeling about. I would never think to tell my mom about a boy I had a crush on, like, ever. Like, I didn't tell her when I got my period. I, like, hid that for months and months. I would, like, sneak tampons from her room and, like, try to figure out in books how to insert it and, like, all that kind of thing. And so I am always curious, like, when I talk to other parents, like, how can I cultivate cultivate that in my kids? Like, how can I be a parent that my kid wants to come to? You know, what's so weird is like, I remember, so I was a problematic child, right? For my parents, like I was the problem child, but it was because I liked boys. Um, I, I remember in eighth grade, I sent this like pic remember the Miley Cyrus like Vogue picture where she like had the towel on her back and it yes, was like I so seductive. Totally yes, I totally remember that. Broke the it. internet. So I emulated that. I had a towel. It was like a blue towel, uh -huh. like a beach towel. I like did it and I like <laughs> sent it to a boy and then I felt so guilty. So I told my mom and she was like, you're probably pregnant. You're such a whore. You're like all this stuff. Like she went off on me. I lost my phone for the entire summer. So like I look back and I'm like, why the fuck would I tell them stuff? And I over and over again, I would like almost like I was repenting. Yeah. And yeah. I would be abused for it like mm. I would be I would feel the consequences of doing that and I still would do it again there's like a self-flagellation like yes. yeah I was like gonna I say. wanted to be stoned in the street like that's mm. honestly it's so crazy for me to think about but I think honestly that it speaks to the environment I was raised in not a good way but that I right. felt, always felt like I had to repent and that normal human feelings and emotions and urges that I had were demonized yeah. right well and also like i'm sure you're you're then feeling like you're doing the right thing like oh at first i do this thing that's you know quote unquote wrong by my parents and the church's standards so at least the next best thing i can do is like admit to that because lying yeah. is then just doubling down so like then you feel this forced there's this yeah, forced I, piece of you that I, has I, to admit it i sometimes wonder if i almost wanted to like get in trouble because then it would be like the calm after the storm like i knew once I got hit or yelled at or anything like after that, I knew they would be sweet to me for a little bit because I'd be, I ha would have repented. I was the good girl at that point. I remember being like, after one time of getting in trouble, I was like, when I grow up, I want to be a worship pastor because I want to be just like you. Like I would like suck up to them and mm -hmm. like, then we'd have a good relationship for a few months until I fucked up again by having a crush on someone. Damn. So 
how I mean, like, it seems, I guess, from social media and that's not everything, but it seems like you're like you have a really healthy relationship with your husband now. And like, did you struggle with repeating these patterns of like manipulation and like kind of all of that within your guys dynamic? So I think I think most people will say something along the lines at some point that's like, I I'm going to be different. I'm going to be different. Yeah. Than my parents. But when it's all that you've known, of course, how are you going to be different? That's like all you have to work with. That's mm-hmm. all you have to go off of. And it's, it's what's, it's ingrained in your soul and your blood and your DNA. Like that's mm-hmm. who you are. So if you want to be different, it has to be the most intentional thing you've ever done in your life. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it takes years to unlearn things. So when my husband and I got married at literally 18 and 17 years old, his mom had to freaking go to the courthouse, by the way, to sign a paper that said he was allowed to get married for a marriage license. Um, we're like, we don't want to be like them. We don't want to be like them, but we were because what else, who else could we be like? We don't have any positive examples of parenting. And so when we first got married, it was a struggle for so long because we knew we didn't want to be like that, but we were so literally therapy and taking hours and hours and hours of like researching parenting articles and like thinking like, oh yes, I want to, I'm going to take that and I'm not going to take that. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to take that like from these different like books. And, but it's one thing to even be like, oh, I'm going to be like that, but to actually practice it and become that it takes years of intention of of being intentional. Like I said, like it's, it's such a work in progress. And so something that was like so important to me was like, I don't want to ever spank my kids. Like I Mm -hmm. don't want to put hands on them ever because to me, if you're teaching your child that someone that loves them is about as allowed to hit them, um, how are they not going to grow up with that and then take that into their relationships Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. think that that's okay too. And so like, that was something that was really important to me. Um, meanwhile, my husband was like, "Mm, I don't, I don't think it's that bad. Like that you're, you do it because you love them. And, and that's how, and again, we were literally teenagers, maybe like 20 at this point. And, um, I, so I started like, my thing is like, he's always open to, conversation about anything. So I started sending him articles and like research on why it can be detrimental to kids' mental health about how it translates to into like future relationships and all of these different studies. And he was like, wow, like I don't want to be like that. And Mm -hmm. so again, it was like, it was a lot that went into even one little decision in our parenting choices that... I don't know. It, it, it took a lot and it takes a lot still to this day. And it's something that we also are still in therapy for because, um, are you in couples you therapy kids, or just individual we, therapy? Both. Okay. Both. Okay. So like I'm in trauma therapy and then also we do, uh, marriage counseling and sometimes it's not even like, like, I don't even feel like we have like issues anymore. Like there's not, we don't really, I feel like we fought so much the first few years. Like we don't even fight now. Um, And, but it's more so just to like have someone to like, listen to like what's going on in your lives and like get a second or third ear, I guess, to things. Cause like, as your kids are growing, like my oldest daughter is going to be nine this year. Um, we're going through things now with her that we've never been through before. So it's like, we want to be the best parents that we can be through every stage of their lives. And so it's something that we always have to be thinking about. And so when certain situations arise and it's like, okay, what do we do now? Um, it's nice to have someone to talk to about it and making 
to help us make sure we're making the best decisions for our kids and being the best people that we can be. What's something that you would go back? We asked this to our moms actually last week. What's something that you would go back and tell yourself like as a very new parent, if you could? Um, you know what? (laughs) I don't know. I'd probably tell myself to not get pregnant. So, (laughs) 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 okay. Yeah. Break down for us. That's a great fuck out. Okay. Broads. One more quick pause. So the busier I get, the lower priority I make my own enjoyment and pleasure. And you know what? That's just not right. At the end of the day, you have to carve out a little time for yourself. Move yourself back up to the top of your to-do list, right? My favorite way to relax, unwind, and put me first is with Dipsy, the app full of short, sexy stories. Dipsy is designed to make you feel good. Their library has hundreds of stories to choose from. And trust me, your dream scenario is in there somewhere. Maybe you've always dreamed of starting something with that intriguing coworker with a British accent. I wish I had one of those. Or maybe you've been dreaming about hooking up with your hot yoga instructor. Whatever desire lives in your head, you will find a story on Dipsy to take you there. And you will always find something new to discover because Dipsy releases new content each week. This is my go-to app to spice up time with myself. Do yourself a huge favor and give it a try. And even for those nights when you're not feeling spicy but still want to relax and unwind, you can explore everything else that Dipsy has to offer on the app, like their collection of sleep stories and wellness sessions, which I have been loving on nights when I just can't seem to fall asleep. Dipsy always does the trick. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash chatty. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P. S-E-A stories.com slash chatty. That's dipsystories.com slash chatty. Okay, look, we all love a clean living space, right? I want my countertops to sparkle. I want the toilets in my house to be so clean. You can see your own reflection. But when you're obsessively scrubbing every surface, well, that can come with a cost. I'm talking about all those dang plastic bottles that cleaning products come in. Where do they end up after we use them? I'll tell you where in the ocean. In fact, it's estimated that 5 billion plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away every year. You guys, that is an unfathomable amount of plastic. We have to do better. We have to find better solutions. Jess and I have both been using Blue Land for a while now. I love it. Going a little bit more green in your house doesn't have to be a complicated thing, and Blue Land is perfect for that. It was founded on the simple idea that you can buy the bottle once, and just refill it forever. So you fill Blue Land's Forever bottles with warm water, you pop in one of the cleaner tablets, and within minutes, you have a brand new bottle of powerful cleaning products. Blue Land has products for every single area of your home, too. That's right. They have all-purpose spray for the kitchen, plastic-free laundry and dishwasher tablets, and the thing that I love most, the toilet tablet cleaner. It's amazing, and you can get all their products in a bunch of amazing scents, too. And in the end, you'll save money. Blue Land's bottles are just $10 when you buy a kit, and the refill tablets start at just $2. Give Blue Land a try. You'll love it, and the planet will thank you. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order when you go to blueland.com slash chatty. That's 20% off your first order on any Blue Land products at blueland.com slash chatty. That's blueland.com slash chatty. That's a great segue. <laughs> can you please break down the years and children that you had? So you gave birth, and you said September 2013? Yes. I had I, ju- I graduated birth- that year. <laughs> I gave birth September 2013. Then I gave birth to my second child September 2014. Mm-hmm. 
So they're 12 months and two weeks apart to the day. And yeah. So baby at 18, baby at 19. And that again was a severe lack of education. My mother told me that if I was breastfeeding, I couldn't get pregnant. Oh, people still say that all the freaking time. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, cool. Like I'm breastfeeding. Like I can't get pregnant. And then sure enough, I get sick and I'm taking a pregnancy test as a joke. And it's fucking like pregnant as fuck. That actually is wild though, because you got pregnant. Then you started ovulating less than three months after giving birth. Yeah. Or like exactly. They're literally 12 months in two weeks. So literally probably the moment I started ovulating again, it was like, okay, you're pregnant. What was that feeling when you found out? Um, I was just mostly like scared and felt guilty again. I felt guilty Mm -hmm. this time because I'm like, I have a newborn baby I'm supposed to be taking care of. And like, I want her to have the best life. And am I giving her the best life if I'm having another baby this soon after? Yeah. And I'm not even kidding you though. I, I get like shit for this all the time. Favorite age difference. Favorite. Like the, the closest, that's the closest in age I have. And it was the best and now they're the best of friends they are they couldn't be more opposite personality wise but they are they complete each other they're the best of friends and i, I d i dm'd you like my kids are not that dramatic but they're 16 months apart and like i would do it i would totally do it again like really? i mean there's also something to be said of just like there's something to be said about just going balls to the wall and being like all right we're fucking doing this shit again we just did it <laughs> but like you got Let's all the go. you, you, yeah, exactly. you still have all the stuff. Exactly. You got all the memories. You remember how to do all the diapers, the oh, nighttime yeah. feeds. Yeah. You're just like, okay. I remember so being that, like, we just did the newborn phase. All right. <laughs> that was kind of my mentality because we wanted three or four kids. Like we both come from families with um, like Anthony has a lot of like half siblings, but the family he was raised with four kids. Same with us. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, okay, so since we had our first two kids so close in age together, let's just knock them all out at once because then I thought it was weird if we like did you know we have our first two a year apart and then we like wait four years like Uh I felt like that was weird so my third and now do you think it's weird (laughs) um I don't know like honestly I can fully say I have no regrets and I could not like I couldn't have dreamed up a life this amazing like Mm -hmm. I really couldn't have so obviously there was always like the the universe um had plans for me maybe yeah. or maybe I just fucked up the universe's plans <laughs> but I don't have any regrets mm. most it's mostly just like pregnancy is so fucking hard yeah. that like that was the worst part of all of it um so my son my third baby was born April 2016 so they're not quite two years apart like 19 months I think oh my goodness as the next age difference and honestly was that, that on purpose was m- I can't remember yeah 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 hit fully on purpose so the first two whoops the third total like planned and I actually was we started trying like two months before I actually (laughs) got pregnant so they would have been even closer in age they're 19 months apart and then after him I was like okay I think we're good like we're good that this is enough and we're good um and then like a few like a yearish later I was like I I could like have another one like I could (laughs) I could do it again and then I got pregnant but I Many Anthony was just down. He was like, no, yeah, yeah, he's down. He's always down. He's like, <laughs> down. he like his, his, he just wants to be a dad. Like that's, that's so cute. Yeah. So and so we 
got pregnant, I had a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, at this point, I was still like, I think I had deconstructed from like the shitty parts of religion, but I was still holding on to the parts that brought me peace. Yeah. And so um, my thing was like, well, this was God's plan. He only wants us to have three kids. So like now we know and like I'm content. So like eight weeks later, I was thinking about how the doctor said I would have a period by now. And I was like super confused. So I took a pregnancy test and it was like, again, dark AF, like not light at all. Like you're pregnant, bitch. Like the the pregnancy test was screaming at me. So I found out I was pregnant with Bronx. That was my fourth baby. She was born July, 2018. So So wait, was that a... Was that a trip though, where you were like, I'm at peace. Like the Lord only wants us to have three. Yeah. And then were you kind of freaked out? We were like, I was oh my freaked God. The fuck out. And my entire pregnancy, I felt like I was going to lose her. Like I was so <sighs> scared to yeah. like miscarry again. Cause I had an early miscarriage. I think it was like eight or nine weeks, but like it was enough to where it was like very traumatizing. Sure. Of course. And um, yeah, I was like terrified my entire pregnancy with her. And while I'm pregnant with her, like I, this is another part we skipped over. And again, when I, spill all of my life out in like an hour episode to someone I'm like what the fuck is going on with my life like it seems like a lot I'm fine guys I promise my son (laughs) when he was born was diagnosed with this uh condition called craniosynostosis and so he had a surgery when he was three months old and then I get pregnant with Bronx and while I'm literally sick having morning sickness he has his second surgery and this is literally like cranial surgery right oh like yeah like God. it's, it's Fucking a neurosurgeon working together with a plastic surgeon it's brain surgery technically but it's like on your skull um oh yeah God. so like they take your skull out they reshape it on a table and then put it back in um insane so like going through all of that while i'm pregnant and terrified to like lose my baby and uh bronx and my son and my daughter number three and number four are two and a half years apart which by the way least favorite age gap Really? The fucking worst. Yeah, because he was old enough to like realize that mommy is paying attention to someone else and he like did not like her as a baby. That's the biggest thing with Ruth and Frank. I'm like, dude, when she was still a baby when Frank came. So she was kind of just like, this is my life now. And it was kind of... Yeah, they don't even remember life before. Uh As to Deuce was like, my son was like, what the fuck's going on? Why is my mom not paying attention to me? Like Tantrum City... Then also he was already like babied because he has all these surgeries and like health oh, problems. Right. So it just was like a sh- total shit storm. Like it was not fun. Mm. But Bronx was luckily like such an easy baby, like for the first time ever that it like <laughs> helped with the transition. Yeah. Um, after having three like hard babies. I don't know. Babies are hard. That's kind of the point. Like I they agree. need you. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But um, yeah. So that's how I ended up with four. <laughs> how was that okay so then your oldest two when you're going through all the surgeries and then and you're pregnant so they've got to be what like four and three and three and like three and a half no when he was born they were technically two and one and then no no no, when you were pregnant when i was pregnant pregnant with with bronx with bronx sorry oh my god because that's because you were pregnant with bronx is when you were going all the stuff with going through all the surgery stuff with deuce right yeah 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 yeah. so so yeah they must have been like Four and three, I think. Which he was almost two. <gasps> yeah. yeah that's a lot. Do you like do you ever look back on that time and like just wonder how the hell did I make it through that? 
literally every day i'm like like people reach out and ask for advice on like their son's diagnosed with this condition or they just had a miscarriage or they their dad's going to prison or whatever and i'm like i literally don't know what to say sometimes besides like i'm so sorry because i don't know how i got through i think you just have to you do and because there's no other choice like the other choice is to quit and that was also an option that and why i'm on antidepressants now but I just, I couldn't quit because my kids needed me. Mm. And so that was like what got me through. And I think just needing to be there for them and be a better mom than I had. How did your, how, do, how was your marriage faring during that time? It was literally awful. So we were on the show Super Nanny, which I during literally this? hate. Uh, this was after Bronx, Bronx was like over okay. one. Okay. Okay. At that time. But they had reached out. I don't, I like actually hate talking about this because I don't like when people watch it. So don't watch it. <laughs> but, um, and I'm not saying what season or even the episode, cause please don't look it up. So, um, we, they ended up reaching out to us and they were like, we're bringing this show back and we want to have you guys on it. Or we want to like interview you guys and see if you'd be a good fit. And I was like immediately no, because I don't want any of our shit being put out there like that. Sure. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm real and raw on Instagram, but it's also curated. It's you're in control of it. Exactly. Right. Right. We were talking about this last episode. It's like, it's still what you would like to put out there. It's not just cameras in your home. So Anthony was all for it. And he thought it would be such a cool opportunity for him. I think (laughs) it was more like so funny. He just like cracks me up. I I think for him, it was more like, oh, I want to be on TV. And for me, it was like, that's not the reason I want to be on TV. Not for this show. Yeah. Not for being no shitty parent or whatever they're trying to portray. Exactly. So we talked to them about how like we had a lot of behavioral issues with our son because of everything that he had been through. And then we just um, we were having a hard time with our marriage because of, you know, all the trauma we had been through. And I felt like, um, and Anthony had just quit his job to become a stay at home dad. And like, it was a huge transitional time Mm. in our lives. And they were like, Oh, this is perfect. Like, this is great. (laughs) Let's prey upon these two idiots. (laughs) Literally these two young parents. So we ended up shooting the show and it was literally, I'm not joking, life changing. Like that's what got us into couples therapy. That's what got us into like really being way more intentional too about our parenting practices. And, um, it was a life changing experience and it healed our marriage for sure. Like, I think if we had kept going the way we were going, we wouldn't be together today. Whoa. Okay. Um, what hat? Like, why? Yeah, break it down. Basically, like we realized that Anthony An- Anthony also like I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he's also experienced like a lifetime of abuse physically um, and many other forms. And so, again, we're saying we don't want to be like our parents. We don't want to be like our parents. But he was definitely very like verbally abusive to me mm-hmm. and and would you know yell at me or get mad at me or just like not treat me like an equal it was like he was my dad all over again kind of a thing and one of the biggest things we would fight about was my family and Mm. that was in the beginning of our marriage because Anthony wanted me to completely cut them all out and I was like I can't not talk to my mom you know what I mean but he's like well your mom's forcing my kids to be on video visits with your dad who's in prison for child sex crimes like I don't want my kids around them mm-hmm. and it was that was always a fight we fought about money we were so poor we, we were on food stamps government insurance like couldn't afford diapers um just all of, like of course we were fighting like it yeah. was 
so much all at once. And, um, we, yeah, like we, I don't, I guess you'd have to watch it, but even watching it is like, it's not even real. Like, honestly, that's what ruined the experience for us was when the episode came out and it was like, that's not what we filmed. Mm -hmm. Like that's very overproduced and they added in like, you know, words that we weren't saying and, or like even something as little as like they added in like the, a soundtrack of a baby crying when Anthony was at the grocery store with the kids to like make it seem like he was uh-huh, more stressed out sure. than he was. So even stuff like that. So um, that's what kind of ruined the experience for us. And then also everyone talking shit about us for like <laughs> years after. <laughs> so that was fun. Oh, but um, we, uh, I don't know, like honestly, that was like the big stepping stone for us of like us really healing in our marriage because I felt like he's my best friend like I love him more than anyone in the world but we have all these issues and for me too like I say like oh yeah he was verbally abusive like on my end I was being manipulative and lying and like doing all these other things that were wrong as well and so we had to really confront all of those in order to you know start to get on the right track and that's also when after we filmed the show, like a, f- a few months later, I was like, I could totally have another baby. Oh, my like, God. <laughs> I'm like, you're home now. Like you're home. Like you're going to be so bored without <laughs> without a fifth baby. Like, I don't know. It's literally insane. And that's how we had <laughs> Ellis, who was born July 2020. <laughs> OK, wait. So when did you film the show? We filmed August of 2019. Oh, my God. So not that long ago, actually. Interesting. No, it was literally decades ago, Becca. Oh my Decade. God. I think about August 2019. I'm like, dude, that was not that long ago. We've been through a whole pandemic since Straight then. Straight up. Yeah. Like, it feels like it was 50 years ago. Well, and I For imagine real. the show was probably like, you know, like a disruptor, right? Like you get in this flow where you're doing your marriage, you're doing your parenting, all this stuff a certain way. And sometimes it you need something that's like a smack mm-hmm. right in the way of how exactly. you've always been doing things and like shake exactly. it up and if you asked how my marriage was back then I would have been like oh it's fine it was just like those little moments of like I didn't like how he said that to me yeah or like something big would happen and I would be like you know the way I reacted or what how I was treating him and how he was treating me and then we'd be back to normal and be this big happy family and it was just like there was those moments where I was like hmm like not sure if that's great. And then of course, when they come into your house and they start filming, they, they trigger every single thing Uh on purpose to like get a response. Like they put us in multiple situations where it like to cause us to fight. Sure. And so, I mean, that's kind of like how they do the whole show. So it wasn't, honestly, the show wasn't even about our parenting at the end of the day. It was more so about Hmm. like our marriage and like how our son, maybe he's um, reacting that way because he sees how you guys treat each other or yeah stuff like that they like related everything to basically like us not did even you, about the kids did you feel like it sort of rang true maybe not in the over dramatized way but like yeah you know what though like I feel like with the kids especially with Deuce's behavioral issues once Anthony and I were like I mean we started I'm not gonna say like it wasn't and like we filmed for 12 days right we weren't yeah. like healed at the end of the 12 yeah 12 days but it was on the forefront of our minds. And that was the most important thing to us at that point was to change. Mm. And so I think that did help us change quicker. Um, Mm. And then being in therapy, of course, um, my son's like kind of stopped having behavioral issues Mm. once we started changing our behaviors. Mm. So that was really interesting. And now he's six years. He was like, I don't know, three at the time, two, 
maybe two or three. And now he's six and literally the sweetest, kindest, the one we don't have issues with hmm. ever. And I mean, none of our kids really give us issues. I mean, Bronx is three and that's like, you know, the worst. Yeah, stage. she's three. Yeah. But, she's so funny. But you know what funny. I mean? Like, yeah, he's like, he's a like, I... I think if we hadn't gotten help, maybe he would be a completely different person. And that's mm. kind of crazy to think about too. Mm. Okay. So then you got pregnant with uh, your youngest, Ellis, the last yes. one, the truly last one. Yes. Yes. The truly last one this time. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm, she's truly the last one because now I don't have any parts left. So there's nothing yeah. more. There's nothing more that they can take from me. At this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. Literally physically done. Yeah, we're done. And she, I had like the hardest pregnancy with her. It was awful. I had HG and which is like, yeah, it weird. So we, and usually like when you have HG, you have it with all your pregnancies. So it was like so strange that I didn't. And it was even to the point where my doctors, like at the beginning of my pregnancy, they were like, we don't think you have it because you don't have a history of it. And so we're just going to prescribe you like these basic ass generic meds. Uh-huh. And it got, I ended up in the hospital multiple times. I was throwing up 12 times a day. Um, it was torture. And then I, I, my, something happened with my antidepressants to where they said maybe because I was pregnant or because I was throwing up so much, my body wasn't like metabolizing it the same and I like was literally suicidal because I was in my bed for three weeks straight at that point. I couldn't even get up out of bed. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I miss my kids. I can't even be, I was sleeping 23 hours a day <sighs> because of the Unisom they were giving me. Whoa. And like, it was awful. So I switched meds. They started, they finally were like, okay, yeah, you definitely have HG. And so they got me on some good meds. And I started like feeling a little bit more like myself. I was still really sick until the end of pregnancy, but it was a little bit more bearable to where I could function a little bit better. But then of course those meds caused like a bunch of different other problems with like, you know, hemorrhoids and constipation and all this other stuff. So it was like one, you've traded one for the other at that point. Yeah. My sister had I'll gladly take hemorrhoids if I can function. (laughs) My sister had HG with all four of her pregnancies and it was like, Hell, yeah. She had to be hospitalized. It was like she was losing too much weight. She would like yeah, burst I lost blood vessels in, her, oh in a month. Oh Insane. my god! Insane. I didn't. I ended my pregnancy, and Ellis was like seven pounds, seven thirteen, seven thirteen something. She was like a good weight. I ended my pregnancy at less than I weighed before I got pregnant. Whoa! At like nine months pregnant. Yeah, it was Whoa. insane. And um. I, but what's great, like you're saying your sister had four kids. Like, I'm not joking. Like, I got my parts removed so that I wouldn't, there would not even wouldn't a chance. trick yourself into like, doing it again. If I had that with all of my kids, I would only have one kid. <laughs> right. Like, pure right. hell. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, but it seemed like you had like a good or a different birth experience, I should say, with Ellis than you did with your other kids. Literally the most life-changing <laughs> crazy amazing experience ever yeah we had like uh it was like the height of the pandemic july 2020 and it's so funny because when i when the pandemic started people were like oh you'll be fine you're like not due until august like you'll be good like <laughs> everything will be done by then mm-hmm. oh like two, two weeks to stop the curve or slow the spread right. um, <laughs> whatever the whatever the lingo was and i was like no i'm pretty sure like i'm gonna be fucked like it's i'm not giving birth in a hospital with a freaking pandemic happening like i was so scared and the other thing too is like they, that's when they were like banning birth partners and yes. like all that no, kind of that stuff shit was scary. and so that was scary to me because I like 
need Anthony. Like I yeah. need him to be there when I'm giving birth. I cannot give birth by myself. And so I had four epidurals with my other kids. Um, so people were like, well, would you rather have him there or would you rather have an epidural? And I'm like, I would rather have him there. Mm. It was, a, it, I did pause for a while before answering, but <laughs> I, ended, I ended on, I think I want him there. So that's when I started. And honestly, we live in an area where like there's five hospitals within 10 minutes of us. And I had never had like a high risk birth. Like yeah. everything had always been fine. So like I seemed like a perfect candidate for it. And it was life-changing and mm. i think that's when i started following you too because i'm like this bitch had a home birth too like let me click follow <laughs> yeah and our kids are only one month apart so frank was born june 19th so that's so crazy yeah but I, the first time i did a birth center but the home birth thing because also yeah peak pandemic and i sort of felt like guilty when i talked to people because they'd be like oh my god like yeah, pandemic baby. And I was like, it was the most chill experience. Like my boyfriend was home with our family for like the months leading up to it. It was like the most peaceful time just like with our kids at home. And then just getting to have like my mom and grandma there like while I gave birth in our living room was like the best. Mm, it was uh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I felt like it was crazy too, because my kids got to I know people are like weirded out by this, but my I my we watched birth videos as a family and I was like, do you guys, I, that's going to happen to me. Like, do you guys want to experience it? And the oldest three kids were all like, yes, like I want to be there. Like Brooklyn mm. was even like, I want to be in the pool with you. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, we'll see what happens kind of a thing. <laughs> Cause I also didn't want to scare them. Yeah. And I think that's what everyone was telling me on Instagram was like, you're going to scar them for life and you're going to, well, all this kind of stuff. I'm not joking you the kids still talk about how like it was the most amazing experience Aww. ever ended up just being my older two daughters because my son was sleeping. I gave birth in the middle of the night and we tried to wake him and he like, <laughs> I wasn't going to keep trying. It was just like, are you good? Like, are you awake? And he wouldn't respond. So we were just like, all right, sorry. He was pissed. In the morning. <laughs> he woke up to a new baby sister and he was like, why didn't you He's wake like, me what up? The hell? He was so upset and so like, I felt bad about that, but my daughters were there and Aww. we just woke them up like literally right before. Mm -hmm. So like they weren't there for like the entire labor, but, um, they like my pool was right next to our bed. So they sat on the edge of our bed and like watch. And so there's this video of me with, um, mm -hmm. Ellis, like on my boob and I'm in bed after and Brooklyn comes up and she's like, how come you didn't let me get in the pool with you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I was busy. Like, damn, I was trying to push a human out. Um, it's so funny. Yeah. So they were like fully involved and loved it so much. And I also think that it was such a cool experience for them to be able to, mm -hmm. like, I never saw birth in a positive way ever. Mm -hmm. It was also always something that's like so scary in movies or like, it's just a completely different, you know, not reality is how it's portrayed everywhere. And so giving them that experience was, definitely something that i'm like really proud of they'll never forget it no. like ever yeah. and i'm sure and it like created such a special bond with them and then the baby yes yes absolutely they were they were like i don't know enthralled they they loved it so much and they always like tell her like we were there and you were born yeah. and you know if she had been born in a hospital like no one could have been there like not yeah. even like my mother-in-law was there to help with the kids and my mom was there and um we had our like nurses and or the midwife and the doula and um it was like a full house of people that were just like so excited to be there for me and the baby and so that was really cool and anthony um it's so funny because the first time i gave birth he's you know 17 yeah 
and he almost passed out. Like he was so scared and he, it, he was just not like he cried so hard when I gave birth. Cause he was like scared for me and then mm. the baby and all that stuff. Like he was, yeah. Then the Ellis, you know, five births later, he literally like grabbed her as she was coming out of me so that she wouldn't fall onto like the birth pool floor, mm-hmm. like grabbed her and then like pushed her through my legs to give her to me so I could pull her up. And he was like, I don't know, just like there for me the whole time, like mm-hmm. massages and telling me it's going to be okay. It was just like such a different, it was crazy to see the progression of like the first to the last birth. And like how much even he changed. Mm. And then of course myself too, because I, you know, I was so scared the first time. And this time I, it was kind of just like letting your body take control and um, follow your instincts, which was crazy to me because with an epidural, I'm like laying in a hospital bed and the doctor's like, you're having a contraction. And I'm right. like, I, I am. Yeah. Or they're like, okay, it's time to push. And I'm like, it is like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. But with, when I was giving birth in that pool, it was like, I was the one telling everyone what was going on. Like I'm, and Mm -hmm. when it was, when I was ready to like push, I didn't even push. She just kind of slid out. (laughs) Like I was like, she's coming. (laughs) And, and there she was. So yeah, it was such a different experience. Man, that's so cool. Okay, so no more kids. What is like on the what's something that you're excited about, like moving forward in the future? I feel like I I mean, how do you feel? Do you feel like there's like a big kind of chapter of life being closed after like the last 10 years? Like, how do you feel about this period of life that you're in right now and where you're moving ahead? I'm it's definitely a little bit bittersweet to be like I was because for so long my identity was in like I'm a a young mom of babies and I'm pregnant all the time (laughs) and I'm I'm like was pregnant like literally every year from like 2012 to like 2020 pretty much Mm -hmm. um and so uh while it's bittersweet I'm also so fucking excited to be done with that and move on to the next chapter. I think it's, I'm more excited for this than I am, than I like was for that kind of a thing. Like I, like watching the kids grow up and become these incredible human beings and being so different, but so similar and just watching them grow into who they are has been like the coolest thing ever. Like Mm. the coolest thing. And my daughters are going to be, my oldest two are going to be eight and nine this year. And they are just like, they're like my best friends. And obviously like, I don't, I, I always hear people talk shit about like, you don't want to be your kid's friend. Sure. Like you're their bot, whatever. Sure. But I'm like, at the end of the day, like I, I do think I've cultivated, cultivated a relationship with them where they can tell me anything. And we have these like open and honest conversations about whatever they want, everything. Mm-hmm. Like yesterday, you know, in the Supreme court, they're talking about Roe v. Wade being overturned or whatever is happening with like the leaked documents. And we were talking to our girls about it. Like Mm. this is what's going on and this is how this can affect your guys's future. And this Mm. is how, and this is why we don't want this. And Mm -hmm. obviously in terms that they understand, like we're not going to get intricate as fuck, but like just in ways that they understand, um, we'll talk about anything with them. And so it's literally amazing. Like to just be able to sit at the dinner table and like have these amazing discussions with, the next generation, literally. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, work-wise, obviously it's it's highly desired to have like a pregnant blogger that's, you know, going to sure. be 
revealing her kids' names and doing bump dates and doing giving birth on Instagram, all these different things. It is like and the biggest booster ever for social <laughs> media. We always joke about that. We're like, engagement declining? Have a baby. Yeah, no, literally. It's crazy. And what's crazier is that there's some bitches that literally get pregnant for their engagement. But that's mm-hmm. a whole other episode. Oh, I'm not going <laughs> to pretend like I didn't get excited. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> I'm going to be uh, in the six was... digit likes when I'm in my, oh my eight, eighth month or whatever. Oh my so God. I what's funny to me is I think I had my biggest growth like after Ellis was born. Mm. Like and so I didn't have like the best engagement, like announcing huh. birth. So I didn't really have that experience. And so for me, it's more, it's like, let me post myself naked. And if I need an Instagram <laughs> I do a body pause post. Um, <laughs> and so I don't know. I, I think work wise, I'm excited to like, people are like, oh, people are, you're not, people aren't going to be interested in you if you're not having babies. Right. And I'm like, well, all the people that were giving birth at the same time as me, their kids are the same age as mine. So yeah. as their kids get older, they're looking for someone that's going through the same shit as them. Exactly. And me having a teenager now they have a teenager so let's talk about that yeah. I think there's always something that can be relatable to an audience and oh a thousand percent I'm like my daughter's six now and I'm like looking for people online that I can follow who have you know kids that are a little bit older or her age so that I can like glean and learn from them and yeah. find the things that I you know like just parenting recommendations so I'm like I love when I'm seeing like influencers and bloggers who are talking about kids that are getting like a little bit older because now I'm in that point of parenting where I'm like I don't know what to do and just mm-hmm, you know exactly. navigating that yeah totally. and I'm like I don't want to follow another pregnant girl like I'm over that stage of life <laughs> I'm, I'm good but like everyone that I've been following and have have like formed these relationships with like I'm already interested in their life so for example Becca like if you're having another baby like I'm so fucking excited to see that because I already love following you but like yeah for like new people I'm like oh we're in different stages of life. Right. And so, yeah. And I think there's always like a new conversation to be had. Like, um, both you and I are like internet friends with at style fit fatty, for instance. And like, she's having conversations about, you know, like big issues with her son who's in elementary school and talking about like navigating conversations about racism and stuff like that, which I think, like you said, if other people are in the same phase or about to enter that phase with their kid, it's like something that people are interested in and want to know more about. And I think it provides a really like valuable opportunity mm, for people I was gonna to have say dialogue. That. I was going to say, I think at the end of the day, what I'm looking for when I'm following people is like, what value do they bring my life? Mm. And I used to just follow people because like, oh, they're pretty or I liked that shirt or whatever. And now it's like, I need something more fulfilling than that mm-hmm. when I'm logging onto this app. And also to think as an influencer, like don't love that, but um, (laughs) as an influencer, when it's your job, I don't think I'm consuming content the way that other Instagram users might be consuming it because like, I don't want to see ads like over and over and over again when I just spent 12 hours filming them. Like I, Uh, you know what I mean? And so I'm kind of looking for something different when I log on. It's sometimes more like reality TV or memes or like political stuff like it just really depends on my mood that day but I'm not always like looking to even see influencers when I open the app yeah I feel you I follow I feel like I follow some influencers that I would never follow if I wasn't an influencer because I'm literally like 
studying the way that they do certain things (laughs) and it's like it's like work research it's not because i like enjoy consuming their content maybe i inevitably do but you know what's so crazy too like i've been doing this has been my career for eight years now and i primarily was like on instagram and then my blog was like my money maker right and with instagram it's like there's not trends there's like you have to be creative all the fucking time you have to yeah. constantly constantly be creating new concepts and thinking of new ways to pull your audience in yep. and it's like if someone copies you like they're the fucking worst and like i've ceased and desisted people in the <laughs> past for like copying stuff but, but like more intricately like copying a blog post for example sure. like plagiarizing it um yeah. and you just have to always be fucking creative. Then you have like an app like TikTok coming where it's all trends and you're supposed to be copying people at all times. And it's kind of like a mind fuck. And it's like trying to figure out where you belong in both of these spaces has kind of fucked me up a little bit like the past few months. Yeah, I feel you. I, yeah. Yep. That's another (laughs) conversation for another time. That's some influencer (laughs) talk, which I actually think would be good to have a conversation about though. Cause like people are curious about like what do you mean this is your job you know I know you make money from it but I think people don't understand that there is like a lot that goes in creatively like into the thought process there's it's it's a lot um but okay so what are you most excited about though with your work right now like is the podcast like what are you most psyched on so I definitely think the podcast is the thing that's got me got my panties real wet these days. Yes. <laughs> we just had our first live show in New York City and that it was so good. So good. And it's made me really excited to like be able to do that in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like kind of trying to focus on growing that right now because it is such a like separate thing from my Instagram account. And it's so much fun too to be able to do something like with my husband and because he's like the co-host like we're fully both involved in it and um being able to relate to my audience or like to have these conversations with them because of the podcast has like also kind of been life-changing too yeah um because it opens up so many more like doors and conversations than instagram does and i don't know i what i love about the podcast is that people obviously they can like leave mean reviews which they do but (laughs) they can't like comment back directly like instagram such easy access to just like tell your fucking opinion to anyone even if they don't give a shit at all times and so i love the podcast that like they have to listen to a full hour conversation and then decide like if they should talk shit or not yeah yeah i love the long form part of it too because you get to have conversations that have more nuance and that are just you know longer than like you know maybe a few instagram story clubs for like a few minutes of like a reel it's just totally more i like that explanation it's more of me talking less of them talking you know what i mean yeah and it's so easy (laughs) to like get um misunderstood on instagram of course yep yep. of course the garcia diaries unfiltered that's the pod go listen i've listened it's fab and at the garcia diaries on instagram anywhere oh yeah plug your tiktok too oh it's at the garcia diaries don't be jealous but i have four thousand followers damn girl (laughs) killing it i know killing it (laughs) watch out hollywood um yeah so that's that's my instagram and tiktok follow me Thank you guys so much for having me on. Oh my God, it was great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing so much. We so appreciate it. It really means a lot. And broads, chat soon. We'll chat soon. (laughs) 